Jesus House in pursuit of God, discovering purpose, maximizing potential, impacting lives. This message is being brought to you from Jesus House London. God bless you. Gavin Calver is the CEO of the Evangelical Alliance. He has a burning passion to see the church working together to share the gospel throughout the UK. Gavin was formerly the leader of Youth for Christ and chair of Spring Harvest. He is an ordained evangelist and regular public speaker and has authored six books including Game Changers, On the Frontline and Stumbling Blocks. Gavin loves new challenges, is a passionate AFC Wimbledon supporter and was part of a team that broke the world record for the longest five-a-side football match. He is married to Anne and they have two children, Emily and Danielle. Please join me in welcoming Gavin Calder to the Pursuit of God Conference 2021. Hi, I'm Gavin Calver, CEO of the Evangelical Alliance, and it's an absolute privilege to be with you at the Pursuit of God Conference this year. Thanks so much to my dear friends, Pastor Agu and Pastor Shola for the invitation. And I'm so encouraged about your theme as well, a new day of destiny. I really believe that's where we find ourselves. Post-pandemic, stepping out into all that lies ahead, the social and spiritual rebuilding of the United Kingdom. We need a new move of God, an unleashed church operating in words, works and wonders. I really believe all three components of that are so important as we go forward. You know, I've been an evangelist preaching all over the UK for the last 20 years. And I've been asked so often, what's more important, words or works? You know what? No one's asked me what's more important, words or wonders. We need to be open to a new move of the Spirit in a new day of destiny, empowered by the Spirit to go out into the world and make Jesus known. And you know, um, I'm sure you all remember just before Christmas, the Saturday before Christmas, Boris Johnson gets up at his press conference. It's about quarter to five on the Saturday afternoon. Those of us that live in London, we're looking forward to finally seeing family members over Christmas in the sort of small bubbles we were allowed. And Boris Johnson gets up and he announces that Christmas is cancelled. You can no longer see relatives in that way. And you know what? It was a really difficult time. I'm sat there with my kids, desperate to see their grandparents, knowing that Christmas won't quite be the same. Obviously, Boris Johnson can't cancel Christmas. He's a powerful person, but he can't cancel the celebration of the birthday of the saviour of the world. But he could change the rules. And we sat around our dining table, my wife Anne and I and our two kids. We don't do this often. We're not the greatest singers around. But we began to softly worship and sing a little chorus together. Our God reigns. Our God reigns. Forever his kingdom reigns. And I really believe in this season, as we step out into a new day of destiny, we need to remember that no matter how difficult it might be, no matter how challenging or how wonderful it is, our God reigns. And in the truth of that moment around Christmas time, all of a sudden perspective returns as we realise that God reigns, however difficult the landscape might be. And I really believe that into this new day of destiny, what the Lord requires are faithful followers, people that will relentlessly pursue him, go with him and serve for him. So if you've got a Bible, would you turn it on or open it up? 
we're going to go to 2 Timothy 2. And I just want to read 10 verses that I think are really important to us in this season. Starting at verse 1, it says this. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown, except by competing according to the rules. The hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Reflect on what I am saying, for the Lord will give you insight into all this. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel for which I am suffering even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But God's word is not chained. Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Lord, we just pray as we turn to your word now. We pray you'd speak to us. We pray you'd encourage us. We pray you'd challenge us. And Lord, this is a strange season. We do all wish we were in the same space together. But whilst we're in this online space, we invite you to minister to us powerfully and to do what you want to do in and through us today. You know, chapter one of 2 Timothy ends with Paul's reference to the widespread defection among Christians in the Roman province of Asia. One Sephorus and his household seem to have been the exception. They haven't run away. They've kept going. Now Paul urges Timothy that he too, in the midst of the general landslide, must stand his ground. I think this is a bit like us right now in the UK, particularly us evangelical Christians. In the midst of the general landslide, in the face of a secular tsunami, we must stand our ground and know what we're about. It's going to be hard, but we do that as much as we can. And here there is a call to strengthen yourself by God's grace, not to just get over it and crack on. It's been a hard year, a hard year or so. Many of us have struggled. We've been in the same storm, but not in the same boat. We're not supposed to just get over it. But by God's grace, we strengthen ourselves. Secondly, this is like Paul's final word to the church before he dies. He wants future generations to continue in the fullness of the gospel without compromise. And Paul focuses on Timothy's character and how he can develop it through the use of three occupations. Each of these designed to make him become more like Jesus. And I think we too are called to develop in this area. And as it said in verse one, God gives us the grace for it. You know, we're living at a key moment. As people come out of the back of so many lockdowns and challenges, as the nation steps out into the future, as the social and spiritual rebuilding of the United Kingdom becomes an opportunity for the church, as the temptation to the church to, to go liberal on stuff when actually God's calling us to stand firm, this is a key moment. Future generations will inherit what we give to them. We need to make sure that as the church in the UK, we do all we can in our moment to give the healthiest, and strongest and most resilient church 
to the generations coming through. But to look at these three characters, these three occupations, which I think are important to us first. I think in this moment, we also need the endurance of a soldier. That's verses one to four. In my role leading the Evangelical Alliance, one of the things we've done during this pandemic season is ring round our 3,000 plus member churches to see how they're getting on. It's been an amazing thing to do. And we rang around just to see what was happening, to support people, to pastor the pastors, if you like. And on one of these calls, I, I rang a church leader and I said, what's been the biggest sort of opportunity you've had during this pandemic? And they said, it's an opportunity for us to pray more. On the first Friday night of lockdown, they did an online prayer meeting. They prayed from 9pm till 4am. They prayed for an end to the virus. They prayed for a revival in the nation. They prayed for the church to be what the church needed to be. I said to them, this sounds amazing. Was it a great event? They said, it wasn't an event. We've done it every Friday since and we will keep doing it. We were only going to do it till the end of lockdown, but now we're going to do it till revival comes in the United Kingdom. My friends, I was so challenged by that. Every Friday night, through the night, praying for a mighty move of God in the UK. That's the endurance of a soldier. That is giving up so much in order to make a difference for the Lord. You see, a soldier does not expect a safe or easy time. They give up the comforts and securities of the world and show discipline in order to see victory. That's verse four. And I guess we too should not expect an easy time. We'll face opposition and ridicule. I know in my role leading the Evangelical Alliance, there are many times where you can feel like an outcast and you can be quite ridiculed in your role. But I tell you what, I want to have the endurance of a soldier giving up so much in order to keep going for the Lord. I remember when I took the role on, I felt the Lord say two things. In the next decade, the Evangelical Alliance needs to be braver than it's ever been. But it also needs to be kinder than it's ever been. You see, those two things aren't mutually exclusive. They can journey together. The world's understanding of kindness is acceptance of absolutely everything. The Jesus understanding of kindness is treating everyone with compassion, whilst also being brave enough to stand firmly on his word. You know, we look around the world and, and we see the fastest growing church in Iran and we see huge church growth in China. And in many ways, we long for that here in the United Kingdom. But we don't want to pay the price tag in order to see that kind of move of God. You see, in those sort of nations, the endurance of a soldier is a day to day reality of those Christians. Now, in this nation, we're not being persecuted for a moment, but we are increasingly being marginalised. But let me encourage you. Mighty moves of God do not happen with Christianity in the mainstream. It tends to be on the margins. I was so challenged recently to hear of a, a couple of church leaders in Iran who were, were being so persecuted for their faith, they were given asylum in the United States. And they went to the United States and what they experienced in the Western church, they said that the Western church was living a satanic lullaby. It had been lulled to sleep by the evil one's sort of um, temptations on comfort and not going out on a limb for Jesus. And so this couple that had got asylum went back to Iran because they said they would rather live with the danger of persecution than the danger of falling asleep in their faith. Church, we need to be awake. We need to keep going and we can't expect it to be easy. As soldiers, we need to focus on who we serve. Jesus is our priority. There are so many other things going on, but we need to focus on Jesus. You know, you can't do big things if you're distracted by the small. Distractions are so easy to find and so hard to lose. Also, we're in it together and for all people. We need to be reaching out to all people. 
winning battles for everyone. You know, uh, my wife is a plastic scouser. She's from a place called the Wirral in the north of England. And lots of people from the Wirral, because it's quite a posh place, they go on holiday to a place called um, Abersock at the end of the Clin Peninsula in North Wales. You get to it and it's all a bit designer label for my charity wages. We went there when our kids were small and they wanted a present, but I didn't know where I'd be able to get a present from because I couldn't afford the stuff around me. Until we found a shop, Bargain Bonanza. I thought, this is the place. I gave both my kids a pound and I said, have whatever you like. My daughter got some stationery. My son got these little plastic soldiers. I used to have them as a boy. He got three of them. He used to get 30 for a pound. He threw them down the stairs and the parachute opened up and they, and they parachuted down. We went back to where we were staying. It was by the beach. It was actually quite near a cliff edge to the beach. My son and I took one of the soldiers out towards the cliff edge. He said, Daddy, can you throw it to the beach? I said, of course I can. I got the soldier, I ran up and I threw it. And it went about a metre and a half onto the open cliff face. I turned around to go back to the house to get another one, but I heard my son begin to whimper. I turned around, I said, what's wrong? He said, Daddy, a soldier never leaves a man behind. I said, where did you get that? He said, Toy Story 2. He said, you've got to get that one off the cliff. You know what, friends? As a church, we must never leave a person behind. As the church in the United Kingdom, we need to be reaching out to people, all types of people in this moment, not leaving anyone behind. Also, as we endure as soldiers, let's hold on to the end of the story. We know the end of the story. You know, however many bad things happen between now and the end of time, however many wars, rumours of wars, however many revival, um, however many incurable diseases, however much persecution, however many pandemics, However many good things happen, however many revivals, however many renewals of the church, however many cures for incurable diseases are found, however many World Cups England win and not the oval ball, the proper football one. The end of the story remains the same in the good or the bad. Jesus wins. And church in the middle of the story, we need to endure a bit more. We belong to him. He is the victory. So endurance of a soldier. But secondly, verse five, we need the obedience of an athlete. You know, again, as I've been ringing around all these church leaders, I've never known so many people pursuing new visions, new models of church, church planting at this time. It's a crazy time to be doing new things, yet at the same time, the shaking going on in our nation and beyond is, is showing that there's new things needed to reach new people. I love the obedience of people going out on a limb when actually safety says keep your job. Actually, with Jesus, sometimes you go out on a limb and you obey him. To be a successful athlete, we must train hard and obey the rules so we're not disqualified. That's verse five. The Lord is looking for those who make sacrifices, obey him over their wants, desires and longings. You know, great moves of God are preceded by two or three things. One, great moves of God are preceded by prayer. The number one thing we can do is pray. But two, great moves of God are preceded by a new level of holiness. And three, great moves of God are preceded by simple acts of obedience. A bunch of people just saying, yeah, I'll do that. I'll go out and live with you there, Lord. Yes, I'll do what's in front of me. Like the athlete being obedient to, to the training needed to be all they need to be. Simple acts of obedience to Jesus, doing what's in front of us and keeping going. You know, a few years ago, I ran in a race against Mo Farah. It's actually called the London Marathon and he beat me quite considerably. 
but I ran the London Marathon. And when you run a marathon, if you trained properly, the first half's okay. So up to 13 miles, that's not a problem. I trained properly. Then you run over Tower Bridge. Then you have the demoralizing bit. It's where you as a normal runner are at 13 miles and the other side you see the elite runners. It's the only time you see them. They're at 23 miles. And you at 13 miles are looking a bit worse for wear and they at 23 miles are looking fresh as a daisy. Then you keep going, you end up in Docklands next. Docklands is the hardest bit. It's the bit where there's no crowds and it's a bit demoralizing, it's a bit dull. And I'm running through Docklands and people start to do what you should never do, they start stopping. You see, it's not about how fast you go, but it's about not stopping when you run a marathon. If you stop to walk, your body believes it's finished and doesn't want to start running again. If you stop to stretch, it doesn't want to move again. And all kinds of runners around me, far better runners than me, are stopping. You mustn't stop. Some of them are walking faster than I'm running, but they won't be able to finish the race properly because they're stopping. So I'm running slowly, but I'm keeping going. People stopping to stretch, people stopping for this. Before I did the marathon, I decided that I wouldn't take anything off anyone by the side of the road. By this point, they're offering me jelly beans, sweets, whatever. I'm taking it all because I just want to keep going. Then you get to the first time you can see the London Eye. It's about this big at that point. You forget how big it actually is. So you see it and you start thinking you're near the end. You're nowhere near the end. For the next three miles or so, it gets slightly bigger every so often. And people around me stopping to stretch, stopping to walk. Don't stop, just to keep moving. My wife, Anne, had agreed to be at two or three different points of the marathon. I didn't want to know where, because I don't know what other fellas might think, but it'd be typical for me. I run 26 miles, I walk 200 metres. When does my wife turn up to see me, the 200 metres when I'm walking? So I kept running, then I saw her, kept moving. And I had a few problems on the marathon. I wanted to do it in under four hours, but I had some problems that, that meant I couldn't. I was struggling with my running, but I didn't stop. It wasn't graceful, it wasn't pretty, but I kept going. Got to the sign at the top of the mall saying 200 metres to go. I was doing it to raise money for youth for Christ, for young people to hear about Jesus. One of my sponsors had said, if you do it under four and a half hours, I will double my £1,000 sponsorship to £2,000. I get to 200 metres to go. I look at my watch, four hours, 29 minutes, 21 seconds. I'm thinking to myself, there's nothing that's moral that I wouldn't do for £1,000 to tell young people about Jesus. So I start to do something I can't normally do. I start to sprint. I can't sprint ever. I'm built for power, not for speed. I only have two gears, not five. So I start sprinting. It's a little bit like Phoebe and Friends or Kermit the Frog. I'm arms and legs everywhere. Sprinting, 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 sprinting. Get over the line. Four hours, 29 minutes, 58 seconds. Boom. The key was not the time. The key was keeping going. I think for some of us, it doesn't matter what pace you're going at. It doesn't matter how gracious or beautiful it looks or doesn't look, but we just need to keep going. We just need to keep moving, showing the obedience of the athlete, moving forward with Jesus, remembering his greatest promise that he is with us always. You know, I believe the Lord's moving us to a place of maturity for what's to come, laid down lives running for a heavenly prize. I spoke to one of my friends recently, who's one of the holiest people I know. You know, when you know people who are that holy, you have double quiet times before you see them because you kind of feel like they know how you're doing with the Lord. They don't. But but this guy's totally spends so much time with the Lord. And I asked him, what are you doing to prepare for the next season? He said, I'm going to do two 21 day fasts in the next six weeks. I said, I said, why? He said, well, 
I'm going to do 21 days, then I'm going to do a week back on and 21 more days. And I said, why? He said, well, I need to be ready. I need to have deeper roots. I need to show the Lord I'm in business. I need to hear from Jesus, not just from those around me. Friends, that's one of the holiest people I know. For each one of us, we need to show the Lord we mean business. This is the time of being trained. Many have said there are new levels of opportunity for the kingdom, and I believe that. But there are also new devils of attack. And as the dark gets darker, the light must shine brighter. And the church needs to be more committed to Jesus than ever before. You see people talk about church growth. Forget church growth. Think about Christian health. Healthy things grow. We need to be healthy Christians. Spiritual disciplines to a new level, new weapons for battle, holiness in a whole new space. Friends, this is a moment before everything goes really crazy again and really fast again. Develop some habits, develop some rhythms. We need to be obedient to the Lord and go deeper than we've ever been for all that's yet to come. You see, I think we need the endurance of a soldier as we step into a new day of destiny. I think we need the obedience of an athlete. But thirdly, we also need the patience of a hard-working farmer. Verse 6, that is. Again, as I rang around church leaders, I spoke to one church leader in the north of England. They'd been doing a food bank ministry for almost 20 years. It had never really taken off, but they always felt they needed to do it. So they've kept doing it patiently, kept doing it, kept sowing seed. Then during the first lockdown, they became the single biggest provider in their county of food to the hungry in the time of need. Their food bank went from being something they did but wasn't that fruitful to something, an unbelievable ministry. They, in fact, they ended up with over 30 portable food banks in wheelie bins at the end of people's drives throughout the community because the church couldn't get enough food without going outside of the building. And what's amazing is so many of these wheelie bins were on non-Christian homes where they were then able to share the gospel with people. People have come to faith by having a portable food bank on their drive. People have given to the work of the church because they've seen the church in action. After years and years and years of trying to make a difference in this way, suddenly, bang, the Lord used it. And that's like the patience of the hardworking farmer. Working hard, but like the farmer, patiently waiting for the crop putting down strong foundations for the future. We always expect instant results, but sometimes things take longer. And some of us need to be patient in this season. Strong foundations for the future in relationships too. One of the huge benefits of this last year has been the discipleship in our home of our children. You say, well, why weren't you doing that before? We were, but we were busy. This last year, we've been more present in their lives and been able to disciple them in a new way. Do not expect a youth worker to do in one hour a week what you have not done in 15 years. We need to, as parents, take back the ownership for the discipleship of our kids and putting down roots for the long term. Within that too, though, never forgetting that as restrictions allow, unlocking our homes, extending our tables for other kids who don't have the privilege like mine of two parents who love each other, love them and love Jesus, making room at our table for others too. But what about in other relationships? Let's be investing, let's be pouring in with our neighbours and those around us. The Lord is looking for those who love him, linger with him, love and develop others. It's a time for disciples, not converts or consumers. You know, for years, people have said things when they come to church like this to me. I didn't get much out of the worship this morning. I've never understood that. I would just say back, I didn't realise we gathered to worship you. 
You know, it's not about what we get out of this. It's about what we bring to the king. It's time for some disciples who are bringing something hopeful in a landscape that's looking for it. I did a debate with two secularists. And these are incredibly intelligent people. And I didn't say much because if you don't say much, they come to you for the last word. And the host came to me for the last word and said, um, what do you think about this Reverend Calvary? And I just said this. I said, I think it's so sad that my two friends here have spoken so much but offered no hope. You see, secularism offers no hope when we're in a global pandemic and people are thinking about the meaning of life. The secular ideology offers no hope. But friends, hope as a name, his name is Jesus. And this hope is available to everyone. You know, as Christians stepping out, we need to be that hopeful presence. But we need to put down roots deep enough to survive future storms. That's why we need the patience of the hardworking farmer in our relationships with others, in our outreach to others, but also in our own lives with Jesus, putting down deep enough roots for any storms coming in the future. So those three images are wonderful, aren't they? The endurance of the soldier, the obedience of the athlete and the patience of the hardworking farmer. Then towards the end of the passage I read, you've got this amazing image. I love the images in scripture, what it looks like in that moment. And you've got Paul saying this. Paul is literally chained for the gospel he proclaims. He is literally in chains. And as he's in chains, he says, I may be chained, but the word of God, the mission, the gospel is unchained. It's what's been amazing this last year or so. The nation's been under restrictions, but the gospel is not. Verse 9, God's word is not chained. We have an unchained gospel. If you think that 18 months ago, no one thought that Alpha could be done online. Thousands of online Alphas in the UK. Same with Christianity Explored. None of us um, knew how to do online church, and yet the church broke Zoom. Six weeks into the first lockdown, Zoom broke once. Sunday morning between half ten and half twelve. That can only be the church. We broke Zoom. That's how much we've learned new skills. The world around us is living with mortality salience. Mortality salience is normally reserved for a war zone. It's when you think about the meaning of life, you ask questions about life and death. We've not been in a war zone, we've been on our sofas, but the whole nation's been living with mortality salience. Every year at night on the news, excess deaths, excess deaths. The people around you are asking for answers to the questions you've been trying to answer for 30 years when they weren't asking. That prodigal you've given up on, have another go. Your neighbour you've stopped witnessing to, start again. Your work colleague that that you're not quite sure if they're interested, have a go. Because right now, people around you have never been so open to the gospel as right now. Everything else has been found wanting in this pandemic. But hope is in Jesus. And so people are open. What is the meaning of life? Well, the meaning of life is Jesus. This was shown to me in the small way then that I went to get my hair cut. I live not far from Jesus' house. I live in northwest London. And so getting your hair cut's more expensive than it should be. My view is if I have to pay for such a, an average job at such a high price, then I'm going to talk to you about Jesus. So for five years, I've sat in the chair talking to my barber about Jesus. And I've got absolutely nowhere. He has had no interest. I've done my best and it's just gone nowhere. Till last time I went for a haircut, I walked in the door of the barber's and he said this. I am so pleased to see you. I've never wanted to talk about God so much. For the next 20 minutes or so, I spoke about Jesus. I gave him a link to an online alpha. Friends, those people you've given up on, 
those people that you, you thought wouldn't be interested. We've got an unchained gospel, an unrestricted gospel. And right now, the nation is looking out for hope. Like I said before, hope is the name. His name is Jesus. Signpost people towards him. As we look at a new day of destiny, as you continue in the Pursuit of God conference, let me encourage you that the soldier portrays a sense of priority. The athlete models discipline. The farmer is the pattern of perseverance. I really believe the church needs these three things right now. I think we need our priorities straight. Our priority is Jesus. I think we need our disciplines right. How are you doing in your walk with the Lord? Not just the times when other people open the Bible. How are your quiet times with Jesus? How are your spiritual disciplines? What new thing should you be starting? Maybe it's fasting. Maybe it's intercession. But it could be anything. But what new stuff do we need? And then the pattern of perseverance in the farmer. Keeping going when we don't get instant results. Keeping going when life is hard. Keeping going as we stand on the rock of ages. As the shifting sands of culture around us move all the time verse 7 it says reflect ponder on these three things and in a moment we'll do that here too because which of these things do you most need the lord to minister to you today i agree fully with pastor agger in the leadership that we are in a new day of destiny but what i really believe the lord requires is a bunch of faithful followers relentlessly pursuing him making him known prioritizing him in their lives having the discipline to live for him, the perseverance to keep going with him and the unchained gospel that knows no bounds as we share hope, as we make Jesus known and as we see this nation one person at a time, one for Jesus. Let's go for it together and let's pray. Lord, we just invite you to minister amongst us now. Lord, we, we love you and we invite you just to, to do what you want to do amongst us, we pray. Let's just take a moment, as it said in verse 7, to reflect and ponder on these things. Just a moment to ask the Lord what he's wanting to say to each one of us. Firstly, we pray, Lord, for the endurance of a soldier. I wonder if, as you're even listening to this, the, the idea of not having an easy time is, is hard because you want an easy time. But the soldier gives up comforts to achieve victory. So, Lord, we just say, help us. Help us to know what it means to, to be outside of social orthodoxy. Help us to know, Lord, what it means to give up our comforts to follow you. I believe there's some people watching this even now who who you know what the things are you need to give up, but there's a wrestle going on within you. And actually, the, the time is now to, to step up and step out. We think of our brothers and sisters around the world. In fact, we take a moment to pray for them. Where you are, in your homes and, and in other places, lift up your voice with me as we pray for those today who are suffering for their faith around the world. Lord, we want to pray. Please join with me. Lord, we pray for those in Iran today who could lose their life for you. We pray you'd be close to them. We pray you draw alongside them. We thank you. Your church is exploding in that nation and in others. But we pray that you would be ever present in their time of need. Lord, we pray for China. We pray, Lord Jesus, that, that house churches that are getting shut down by the police, 
Lord, that people would be spared their lives, that your gospel would continue to grow. Lord, we think of Saudi Arabia, Lord. We pray for your witness in that nation. We pray, Lord Jesus, that you would strengthen your people today. Again, where you are at home, just be lifting up different nations of the world. Lord, we pray for Nigeria, where so often it's so hard to be a Christian. We pray, Lord Jesus, that you would strengthen your people, that they would be okay today, that they would be fruitful today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for those around the world that model something to us. For those of us here, maybe this is a moment to say to the Lord, you know what, Lord? I'll pay the price tag. I'll pay the price tag for your kingdom. You know, in the West, when we get married, we stand before our spouse. And like I did with Anne 20 years ago, I said, oh, I'm with you for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health. All I am, I give to you. All I have, I share with you till, till death splits us. Those are massive promises. We never really make those to Jesus. Maybe where you are. You want to accept that actually the price tag for his kingdom is going to be quite something. If we want to see something amazing in this land, then, then it's going to cost us more. But maybe you want to quietly say some of those commitments to the Lord. I'm going to be quiet for a moment, but maybe you want to be saying, Lord, for better, for worse, I'm with you. For richer, for poorer, Lord, I'm yours. In sickness and in health, Jesus, I'm with you. Perhaps you want to pray some of those at home now. Lord, we want to take off the terms and conditions. We want to learn the endurance of a soldier. But then secondly, where the obedience of an athlete? What training is needed? What new habits do you need? Which habits do you need to break? Because the obedience of the athlete is not just about taking stuff up, it's about stopping stuff too. And Lord, we just want to pray that in your name, the name of Jesus, if there's stuff we're doing, stuff we shouldn't be doing, stuff we're involved in, stuff we've taken up, Lord, we want to put that down for you. We want to put that down for you. But Lord, if there are new habits needed, if there are new spiritual disciplines required, maybe we've done well at, at being a Christian publicly, but not privately. Lord, we want to be more intimate with you. We want to get to know you better. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that our lives would have simple acts of obedience. Lord, we long to see revival. So therefore, Lord, we want to have a, a greater prayer life than we've had. We want to have more significant holiness. And we're prepared to do small acts of obedience one at a time, Lord. One at a time, Lord. Forgive us, Jesus. Forgive us for when other things have come before you. Forgive us for when our life does not reflect the king we want to serve. And that, that image of the athlete, Lord, where the athlete gives up everything in order to be absolutely on fire physically for, for its sporting event. Lord, we want to give stuff up. We want to take stuff up in order to be in the, the shape we need to be spiritually for what you have for us. Help us, Jesus. Help us, Jesus. Maybe take a moment. What, what do you need to take up and what do you need to put down? Just take a moment with the Lord on that. Maybe for some of us, we just need the patience of the farmer. The patience of the farmer. This is the one I most struggle with, if I'm honest. 
I want to see revival. I want to see it yesterday. And actually, sometimes we need to just put down the roots, keep working the soil, allow the Lord to work in and through us. Do you need him to come alongside you today, as I do, to give you patience? And what roots are you putting down in Jesus for the long term? What roots in other relationships? Lord, we pray you would give us patience. You would help us keep going. We ask you to come by your spirit and give us the ability to be persevering. We pray, Lord, for deep roots in our lives. Lord, we do not know what storms the future holds, but we want to be able to face them with you. We pray for deep roots. We pray for the lives of our kids, Lord. We pray that they would go deeper in you too. We ask, Lord, you would draw alongside your people now. You draw alongside me now. And you'd give us patience. Your timing, Lord, not ours. Your timing, Lord, not ours. Maybe where you are, you want to say that. Because as I say that, that, that's me sort of yielding myself to the Lord. Lord, your timing, not mine. Your timing, not ours. So we want the endurance of a soldier, the obedience of an athlete and the patience of a farmer. But the very end, the unchained gospel, the gospel is unchained. The United Kingdom is living with mortality salience. Who do you need to reach? Which neighbour, which friend, which person at the gym, which co-worker at work? Who do you need to reach? Which prodigal you've given up on? Friends, this is the season to not give up on anyone, but to believe that everyone is open because everyone has been in this storm, this storm of death, this storm of hopelessness. And in the middle of it, those of us that know Jesus, we have been in that same storm, but not that same boat because we know King Jesus and that does change everything. This is a moment for the unchained gospel to get to places where we didn't believe it could so right now who do you need to regain hope for lord we pray that you would bring hope into homes right now for people that need to meet you bring hope for prodigals for friends for for neighbors i pray lord even now you would be really bringing hope into homes about what might be possible lord even now would you be drawing up new prayer lists for us prayer lists of who we need to be praying for every day that they would encounter you and acting in terms of going out and sharing with what do we need to be doing Lord help us regain hope who do we need to be reaching Lord even now break our hearts for people show us places we could be going because this unchained gospel must not be limited by where we think it can work Lord if it is truly unchained as it is then we want to believe you would take us on an adventure and we would see people come to you that we never thought possible help us Lord help us Lord help us Lord and as we draw into a finish I wonder if you'd hold your hands out with me and I wonder if you'd think of the two or three people you most want to meet Jesus. That you most want this unchained gospel to reach and transform. And holding out your hands as if you're holding those people before the Lord and saying, Lord, use me, but you reach these people. Let's pray together for those names now. Maybe you want to stand up if you're able. Let's stand together and really pray for these people now. So Lord Jesus, I want to pray, Lord, for Mike and Shauna, Lord. I want to pray you would break into their lives. I want to pray, Lord Jesus, that you would transform them into your likeness. I pray for opportunities for Anne and I to witness and to share. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would give us 
great ground to work with. I pray, Lord Jesus, you would open their hearts and soften them, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that we would, in that instance as well, endure and keep going. We would obey you with the opportunities and with the patience for the long term. But Lord, I want to pray that you would break through in power and strength and we would see them come to know you in a wonderful way, Lord Jesus. And I ask, Lord, that it would be so incredible and so quick if possible, and that, Lord, it wouldn't just be them that were changed, but their children and their children's children would live as part of your kingdom, making you known themselves, we pray. Finally, let's pray for our nation. Lord, we pray for the UK. We are desperate to see the UK one for you. We are desperate to see you made known in every corner of the United Kingdom. Lord, use us, um, release us, unleash us, Lord. I pray in the years and months ahead, Lord, that your church all over the UK would make you known in power, would be united in this message, would stand firmly on your word and would be brave and kind. And we would see something remarkable. And in the years ahead, people would say that could only be God because that was so amazing. Lord, all for your glory, not for ours. Use us, we pray. And bless the rest of this conference. Encourage, empower and equip people that we truly together would make you know. Thanks so much for having me. Go for it.